Hey, greetings from Hong Kong. This is Pastor Sam Song from Solomon's Porch. And I'm just really uh, thrilled and blessed to be your guest speaker uh, for your sixth anniversary. Happy anniversary, Rooftop Church. Uh, a huge uh, uh, hello to uh, Pastor Scott and Esther. We love you guys so much. Uh, my family misses you guys. Uh, and Pastor Tavis, uh, uh, thank you for uh, the emails and getting all, everything in order. Uh, it's really my privilege to be sharing the word with you. And uh, we're, it's a, such a crazy time these days. Uh, but I hope that it's a blessing uh, for you. And so let, let's, let's just get right into it. Uh, if we could turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to be going through Mark 5 with us today. And for in the beginning, I'm just going to read three different verses. I'm going to read 5, Mark 5, 6. I'm going to read Mark 5, 22 and Mark 5, 33. And so if you can follow along. Uh, in the video, we'll have the scriptures up as well, so you can follow along. So Mark 5, 6. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. And Mark 5, 22 one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter, it is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And the last one, verse 33, but the woman fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Let's pray together. Let's ask for God's help. Father, we thank you. Uh, for this time, God, we thank you uh, for Rooftop Church. We thank you for six years and an amazing journey, God. Thank you for Pastor Scott and Pastor Tavis and, and uh, Esther, Lord. We thank you for these families, God, and their dedication to you and the way they pour their heart out, God, for this community, Lord. And even in the midst of a global pandemic, God, Lord, Rooftop Church is is, is keep going, God, is, is, is continue to grow and be strengthened, God, in the power of your might, Lord. And, and so we thank you for that. And thank you for the privilege, God, of being able to share, uh, come and share and speak your word uh, to this awesome group of people, Lord. And God, uh, but we come now, we come humbly to your word, Lord, and we ask you to speak to us through it. To that end, we ask you to release the revelatory ministry of the Holy Spirit in this room and all the rooms that are here. Lord, give us an ear to hear and a heart to receive with the Spirit. It's in each one of us, individual and corporately as a body. Lord, I humble myself today. I ask that you use me to preach your prophetic word with power and authority. Help me, Lord, not just convey your words, God, but convey your heart. God, we thank you. We love you in this house, God. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Um, we, uh, at our church in Hong Kong, we're in the midst of our 21-day fast. Uh, we have one more week left. Um, I'm recording this a week before uh, your uh, service on the 24th. Um, and uh, I usually go through a book of, of usually one of the Gospels uh, during our morning prayer times. We get together uh, Monday through Saturday, early in the mornings. And this year, I've been going through the book of Mark. And as I've been teaching on Mark, I just really came across uh, this particular chapter, Mark 5, and it so blessed me so much. It spoke to me so much, especially about the things that we're going to face in this year. And so I, I want to share it with you. I actually have, I haven't even preached this message at my own church. Uh, this, is, this is like fresh bread, hot off the press. And so this is just for you guys at Rooftop Church. Uh, and, and so... Uh, Mark 5, this particular chapter, is really centered on Jesus' encounter with three 
specific but very, very different people. And, and really, uh, there are different people, but they also have different crazy circumstances. Each person is being held captive by what I call the three horrible Ds. So the Taliban message today is called the three Ds. And so these three horrible Ds, they're being held captive by demons, demonic activity, by disease, and by death. So let me give you the background of what's happening here. So in Mark chapter 4, the enemy tried to kill Jesus. He was crossing the lake. They were in a boat. He was sleeping in the back. And this great, huge storm came out. And we know it's a demonic storm because Jesus rebukes the, the wind and the waves. And then calmness happens. The same way that he rebukes evil spirits. And so this was, this was a spiritual storm. Uh, that took place in, the, in this way. And now they basically get back to uh, the land. The disciples come in and they're terrified. They're terrified of the storm. They almost died. And you got to understand that this storm must have been really bad because seasoned fishermen are, are scared to death uh, through this storm. But even more so that they're afraid uh, and terrified by Jesus' power. And they don't quite understand it all. They come to this region of the Gerasenes, and it lies on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee in the area of what they call the Decapolis, which meant ten cities. And this, so this was a pagan, primarily Gentile region. Um, in Matthew, there's a similar account here, and he calls, this, uh, he calls it the, the uh, Gadarenes because that's a city, a part of Decapolis. And so we have these names. They're interchangeable, Gerasenes, Gadarenes. Um, and so again, a primarily Gentile region, and we know this because of the pigs that we're going to encounter really soon. So I, I have three simple points for us today that's going to lead us through this narrative of this beautiful story that Mark has woven together about three different people in three different circumstances, but dealing each held captive by the three Ds, demons, disease, and death. So number one, number one, Jesus' power over demons. Jesus' power over demons. You got to recognize that this man actually is totally demonized. I mean, absolutely demonized. I know a lot of translations say demon-possessed. I really dislike that word. I know a lot of other scholars that deal with this dislike that word because really in the scriptures, there's really no such thing as possession. It's just really kind of a poor translation. There are about three different Greek words that mean uh, has, have a demon. They all mean the same thing, demonize, some other ones. And it's all three of them simply means have a demon. We know in this case that this person is, I mean, talking about have a demon, he, he's got a lot of demons and he's demonized. He, there, there's incredible feats of strength. Um, he's howling at the moon. He's cutting himself. This reminds me of Elijah uh, with the, uh, uh, the uh, worshipers and the prophets of, of Baal, and they start cutting themselves because uh, their, their gods doesn't hear uh, this uh, fire that they're asking to come down. And so this is what's happening here. And, and the crazy thing is that the, the presence of Jesus causes this demonic force to attack him and, and this is what what it happens and 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 i want to i want to just say this just just uh for some clarity's sake you know when you're in a service 
and um, you're worshiping the Lord, and a lot of really cool things are happening, and then all of a sudden someone starts manifesting, it's crazy how a lot of people assume that something really bad is happening. Someone's foaming at the mouth, or someone's screaming out, or something like that. I want to tell you that's a good thing, because the reality is that those demons are not going in, those demons are coming out. And, and so we need to have a, a better frame of reference when we, when we think through these things. Don't freak out when we encounter demonic activity, especially in service. You know, you think, realize that you, we have no idea what it takes uh, uh, for a demonic presence who succeeds in hiddenness to come out and reveal themselves. It reminds me of this line from, from one of the greatest movies that's, that's ever uh, been made, a movie called Usual Suspects. I, I know it's a little older, so some of you young people need to go back and get on Netflix and, and watch this movie. But there's this great line in there, and it's uh, the protagonist, his name is Roger Verbal Kent. And he's actually talking about Kaiser Soze, who's this mythical, evil person. And, and this is his great line. This is what he says. He says the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he didn't exist. And, and the enemy is still doing that. There, I mean, there's all kinds of people that are denying, uh, I mean, not only the power of the Holy Spirit, but denying uh, even demons in these things. And I mean, think about it. Even if you're a cessationist, and, and let's say you can try to make a case with the scriptures that the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit has ceased, you still have a main problem because you still have to deal with the demons. What happened to the demons? Uh, there, there's, no, there's no scriptures uh, around that even hint at anything like that, but we know that there's evil all around us. And so it's another hurdle that, that non-charismatics need to make. And so we recognize here that, that the, this, this evil spirit, just uh, uh, this, these uh, forces attack the Lord in this way. And then we recognize that even the demons acknowledge that he is the Son of God. And their next request is really, really peculiar. They say to the Lord, Lord, don't torture us. Perhaps they're thinking that because of the storm that Jesus came to torment and to torture uh, uh, these evil spirits on the lake. And in, in Matthew 8.29, he gives actually a fuller account of what takes place. And he says, have you, and the demons say, have you come to torment us before the time? Isn't that great? I mean, just, just think about this idea. Demons spend the rest of their days knowing that a time is appointed for their destruction. Romans 16.20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. you got to realize that demons, they are on death row. Evil spirits, the personification of evil, they are on death row. They're just waiting for their demise. They know it. Jesus knows it. And so they come to this place, and notice what happens. This is Jesus asks their name. What's their name? And notice the demon's confusion. He says, my name is, we are. Most likely it's probably the man and the demons kind of taking turns uh, speaking. It's kind of like 
Lord of the Rings, uh, when you have Gollum, and, and he's going back and forth, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a very similar picture in this idea. Notice it says also that the Bible tells us that Jesus had been speaking. He had been telling the demons to come out. And so this was a progressive thing that was taking place. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, um, it took more than one time. It, it, it's crazy to think so, how many, uh, so many non-charismatics, they put standards of ministry on us that even didn't apply to Jesus. For, even for Jesus, it didn't happen all the time. Even in a few chapters later in Mark, we hear him and he's healing the blind man. And, he's, and he prays for him. He had been praying for him. And he prays and says, what do you see? And he says, oh, I see kind of figures that look like trees. And then he laid hands and prayed for him again. And then his sight came. It was progressive healing. And so there seems to be these standards that are around in the church that actually Jesus uh, didn't even uh, uh, uphold himself. And so Jesus turns and says, what's your name? And he says, legion. Now, legion was a military term. It meant a fighting force of at least 6,000 troops, anywhere from 2,000 to 6,000 troops. And what the demon was communicating by giving this answer is simply saying, Jesus, if, we are, if we're going to get down, if we're going to rumble, I want you to know that you are totally outnumbered. They're trying to intimidate. And, and, and that's really what the enemy tries to do, tries to intimidate but it was a veiled threat, was no match for Jesus' authority. And, and I mean, there, there's, there's nothing uh, that, that can get in the way. It reminds me of, of one of the first times that I ever um, uh, encountered an evil spirit. And uh, we, we, have, we, have been going, we just came back from a retreat. I think Pastor Scott was there at our retreat. And, and just there was such a presence of Jesus that, that high school kids started manifesting. And it, I mean, it was a crazy time. So I, I, I came back. I came back to, um, uh, to uh, the retreat. And there was a young girl who was manifesting. And it was so bad. I mean, she's trying to choke herself. And it was crazy. And we couldn't really help her during that time. And so what, it, what it ended up happening was uh, that, that we said, okay, we kept praying for her. And then she just kind of left church. I don't, I don't think she was embarrassed. I don't know what was going on, but she kind of left. Six months later, she comes back, and, and, uh, and during this time, she uh, basically tells us what happened. She comes back to a Friday night study. Oh, uh, I, I, just, I just, you know, this thing won't let me sleep. I get tossed off the bed. I, I have suicidal thoughts, and she was at wit's end. So despite the embarrassment, she came back to church. Uh, now, in between that time, I, I forgot, to, I failed to tell you this story. Uh, when we're at the retreat, we were praying for her, and it was crazy. Her voice box totally changed. And she, and she looked at me, and she said, like this way, she said, Sam. And I said, what? And she said, you're a sinner just like me. Ha, 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 ha. You know, and I, I just said, yes, yes, I am a sinner, but I'm saved by grace. But I tell you what, I was freaked out out man i had to leave the room i mean it, it was it was a uh, winter time it was freezing but but i was just in a shirt i had to go out because i was losing my mind i had totally been intimidated okay now 
flash forward six months. Now I'm a student at Fuller Seminary. I've been in Dr. Charles Craft class uh, as he taught us how to cast out demons and, and, and aware of spiritual forces and these things. And so I'm equipped. And Dr. Craft told us that the first thing they try to do is they try to intimidate you. Because they know that you have Jesus Christ in you. And the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in us. It lives in me and lives in you. And so I thought, man, I'm never going to be uh, wigged out like I was that last time. So she comes back. And so we start, we start praying for her. And sure enough, man, she starts choking herself and all these things. But, but now I, I, just, I have the confidence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't let it affect me. It's the, the, the evil spirits are trying to freak me out. And, and just goes on. And then she walks in. And then she, the spirit recognizes that, that I, I, am, I, I am under control. I mean, by the grace of God. And so this, the, it's crazy. So she gets up. And she walks over to my desk. I was in my office. She walks over to my desk. And she pulls out this picture that I have in a frame of me and one of my spiritual heroes, uh, Lauren Cunningham. He's a great friend to our church, uh, been here a few times and ministered. And so Lauren Cunningham, who is the founder of Youth with a Mission, the largest mission agency, actually the largest volunteer uh, agency in the world. And so uh, she grabs this picture and she very, this spirit very carefully takes this out of the frame. And, and so I'm, I'm sitting behind her and so she takes this picture and she holds it up so I can see the picture. And she looks back and just with this evil look on her face just goes, heh, 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 heh. And then what she does, she takes the picture and she rips the picture in half. But, but she doesn't rip the picture in half. She rips exactly where I'm at. So she rips me in half and turns back around and goes, heh, 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 heh. Trying to, again, trying to intimidate me. And so, I mean, this is, I'm, trust me, I'm not this clever, I'm not this witty, I'm not this smart. I was just sitting back, I was just chilling, and this is what I said. I said, that's all right, because I got the negatives. You guys remember negatives back then? I said, I got the negatives. And all of a sudden, this, this spirit ah, started screaming and writhing. She fell to the ground, and that was it. And that was it. Now, you might be asking what happened with her. Well, she had this extreme hatred for her mother, this, this, this deep, deep hatred and unforgiveness. And, and so we led her to a prayer of repentance to release and forgive her mom, and boom, door closed, done deal. And we see that's what the enemy tries to do, like the enemy tried to do with Jesus. It's a veiled threat, but, we, but the demons know. They, they, the, James tells us they know and they shudder. They shake. They shake in their boots. The enemy is just a wild animal with no teeth, no claws, and no weapons. It just has a look, the appearance of, but nothing. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you will succeed. And you will condemn every tongue that accuses you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I love Psalm 23. I love David's psalm of the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice he says, and he says, he walks me through the valley of the shadow of death. See, death, the enemy, all it is is a shadow. 
don't know about you, but I've never heard in my life a shadow ever killing anyone. A gun can kill someone, bullets when it's fired upon, but a shadow of a gun can't kill anyone. A, a knife can kill someone, but a shadow of a knife can't kill anyone. And this is basically how the enemy works. He's just a shadow. It's just a shadow. You've got to understand the authority, the grace, the, the spirit, Holy Spirit that's inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Uh, recall a story that I heard years ago by um, uh, a man named Ed Silvoso, a great Bible teacher. He's, he's, he's been to Hong Kong many times. And, and I, was at, I was at a meeting with Ed years ago, and he shared this story. And he's from Argentina. And he says in Argentina, if you dislike somebody, if someone's bothering you, you could actually go to the local witch doctor and actually pay them, and he will curse the person that you pay for. And so uh, I thought, wow, this is kind of crazy. And so this is very common in Argentina. But he said something, and he said the, the first what the, what the witch doctor will do, they'll figure out uh, that your, your spirit, um, uh, you know, the power of your spirit, how strong it is compared to uh, this person that they want to curse. And, and, and these witch doctors would say this, and they would, they would never curse um, a Christian. Because what they do is, they, I don't know what they do, an incantation or something, and then when they conjure up the power that's behind the person, whenever they, they, they conjure up what, what uh, they're battling for that person, if that person's a Christian, then you know who shows up? The Holy Spirit shows up. And so these guys can't do anything. It's true what he said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And we see the truth of this. See, all the enemy has are threats, empty threats. This is, uh, if you ever, if I, I don't know if I, I did this last time I was with you at the retreat. Fear, F-E-A-R. This is the only, the enemy only traffics in fear. What is fear? Fear is false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Now notice what, let's continue on the story. Notice what happens. They beg to stay in the area. Now possibly maybe these were territorial spirits or, or under a territorial spirit in this area. Uh, but they're given permission by Jesus to enter the pigs and then the pigs drown. Perhaps this was Satan's uh, way of to trying to intimidate Jesus once again. In other words, he does to the pigs what he tried to do to Jesus in chapter 4 and his disciples. So, um, now, I should make this note. The death of the pigs really demonstrates the ultimate aim of demonic activity. First, what the enemy wants to do, demonic activity wants to mar the image of God in you. So then you start looking at yourself and say, oh, I hate my nose. You know, I hate my body, I hate my job, I hate my personality, and tries to mar the image of, of God. We are created in the image of God. The Imago Dei, every single one of us carries that. And the enemy tries to mar that, and then ultimately tries to kill us. What happened to the pigs is really what would have actually happened to the man if not for Jesus saving his life. Instantly, Jesus speaks, and boom, the authority of Christ and the man is made normal again. It's crazy. This freaks the people out, and they become afraid. It's interesting. They, they were afraid when he was crazy, demonized. And now that he's whole, they're still afraid. Uh, you could see the, the grip of the enemy on this region. 
The revelation of Jesus' absolute authority elicits fear in this crowd. They beg him to leave, and sadly, he does. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. They beg him to leave, and sadly, he does. They'll do this in a few chapters later on in Nazareth. They'll beg him to leave, and he says, you can only do a few miracles there, and then he left. Think about this, brothers and sisters, at Rooftop Church. With all of Jesus' authority, he still doesn't violate our free will. Isn't that amazing? Even with all this power and authority, he still gives us the dignity of our free will, and he won't violate it. We have to ask. We need to ask him to come. Jesus has power over demons. Number two, Jesus, Jesus' power over disease. So they get in the boat, they cross over to the other side, and the second person to bow down uh, comes to Jesus. It's Jairus. He's a synagogue official, and he, and he desperately approaches Jesus because his daughter is sick and dying, daughter that he loves. Now, while they're walking on the way, Jesus says, oh, sure, I'll come. I'll take care of this. And as they're walking on the way to his home, the third person bows down before Jesus and crawls on the floor and touches his talit. This is the Jewish prayer shawl. This is the hem of his cloak. Touches his talit. And so Mark tells us that this woman, she had a vaginal bleed. She, she, in other words, she had a menstrual cycle for 12 years straight. Can you imagine how miserable that is? And, and, and Mark tells us that she spent all of her money on doctors, and in fact, she was made worse. I did some research on this, and you know what the, one of the ancient cures was for uh, uh, hemorrhaging, for female hemorrhaging of blood? It was that they would take oats, uh, uh, grains of oats that the cows had eaten and then it would, be, it would be, come out with their dung, you know, their feces, and, and they would basically take them and dry them in clumps, and they would ask them to eat this and swallow this uh, as some kind of pill. And I, I, mean, I don't know what these guys are thinking, but they thought that this could be one of the cures. This was actually was literally one of the ancient cures. And no wonder, Mark says, not only did she lose everything she had, but she got worse. Trust me. You eat cow's dung, you're going to get worse. You're going to be, whatever, how healthy you are, you're going to be unhealthy. And she endured so much at these physicians. And, and really, most likely, these physicians were, were, were kind of like shamans. And, and there's, there's some connotation of that that goes on. And so she takes a great risk and touches him, which according to Jewish tradition actually would make Jesus unclean. Think about the power of Jesus. Jesus' power over disease. Check this out. Unclean person touches a clean person, and the clean person becomes unclean. An unclean person touches Jesus. Not only does Jesus remain clean, but the unclean person becomes clean. It's powerful. The power of Jesus. Now put yourself in this woman's shoes. For 12 years, she has been totally cut off from public life. 
the law says that she needs to remove herself. Anyone she touches, can you imagine? She, no one touched her. No one hugged her for 12 years. For 12 years. Jesus notices power comes out. Some kind of power comes out of him. And so he looks around, and remember, the crowds are all around and says, someone touched me. And I want you to know that there were a lot of people touching him physically. But Jesus, I think he was saying, someone touched my heart. I felt something. And so this woman's afraid, and so she throws herself at Jesus' feet as, as the Lord calls her. And notice what Jesus says. Jesus turns to her after hearing the story and says, daughter, daughter. Uh, this word daughter actually is a very specific word. It's an affectionate family term that Jesus only uses once in the New Testament. That's here in this passage. In the Greek, it's thugater. And it it's, basically means daughter of God. But more than that, it means acceptable to God. And, and, and it's a picture of, of rejoicing in God's peculiar care and protection. Now remember, she suffered for 12 years. And the Lord came and reversed that and said, daughter. Someone that's been rejected from Jewish life for 12 years and says, you are my daughter. Crazy. Been rejected by family, nation, and religion because of her sickness. And Jesus calls her her daughter who is accepted by God. Jesus has power over disease. The last one, number three, is Jesus' power over death. So let's get back to Jairus. So Jairus is, they're on their way. Remember, he's the chief official of the synagogue, which basically means that he's the one responsible for overseeing the building and the details of the service. Now, this delay with this woman that came with the hemorrhage has been catastrophic for Jairus because on the way, men were sent from the house and they were told that she has died. Listen carefully to the men's words. The men say, why trouble the teacher anymore? When the child was sick, Jesus could have healed her but now she was dead and no need for him anymore. They all presumed that Jesus, his power didn't work on the dead. It's really crazy what's happening. As they approach the house, people are wailing and mourning. And Jesus asks why this is key since she was only asleep. They laugh at him. I mean, I always thought, how can it be? How can people be crying and wailing and over a, a, a little girl that died and the next moment start laughing? Well, again, I did some study. And I found out that during Jesus' times, they were really professional mourners. There were people that actually got paid to mourn and grieve. And so, in other words, this is not a wailing like deep within. This is just a, a show like, oh, woe is me, woe is me. You know, kind of thing. And so that's why they can cry and laugh uh, almost simultaneously. And so, um, so they come to this place, and then Jesus just takes mom and dad, the three disciples, kicks everyone else out, and, throws, and goes up to the room. And then in his native Aramaic, 
he says tenderly to the girl, Tolutha come, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. Remember what Jesus said before? It's simple sleep. To Jesus, death is just sleep. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you today. Let the Holy Spirit give you perspective in your life. See, we will all, all of us, we will all fall asleep and we'll all wake up to the sound of his voice. Little girl, little boy, wake up, arise. See, this is why we Christians, we should not fear death. Death is just a nap. See, this narrative of death being just sleep was actually used all through the New Testament and through the whole first century Christian world. Let me just throw some verses your way. 1 Thessalonians 4.13, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as indeed the rest of mankind do who have no hope. Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 15.6, And after he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Acts 7.60, talking about Stephen. And then he fell on his knees and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. We see this huge theme being woven through these people. What an incredible perspective. This, brothers and sisters, is our Christian hope. Now, when I said goodbye to my mom over 12 years ago, she died of, of, of stomach cancer in a hospital in Korea. And she was uh, in furlough uh, from her mission. There were missionaries in Uzbekistan. And when she went to Korea, she uh, had a, a medical checkup on her way en route. She's actually with us. Uh, when our, our second daughter, Emma, was born, and she took care of Lisa, my wife, and, and our, our family. And then she went to Korea, trying to go back to Uzbekistan. But while in Korea, uh, she got a medical checkup, and she uh, was diagnosed with fourth-stage stomach cancer. It spread everywhere already. And so um, I said goodbye to her uh, roughly about six or seven months uh, later on uh, after her surgery. And, uh, and I remember this. I remember uh, the last time I saw her, and uh, I kissed her on the forehead uh, when she went to her sleep. Uh, and um, I told her, I said, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. That's our hope. That's the hope that we have. Uh, let me read Paul's writing in First Thessalonians 4.13 again. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as indeed the rest of mankind do who have no hope. For the Christian, for you, and for me, death is a promotion. It's a promotion. Let me talk about your pastor uh, for a moment. Your pastor, Scott, is just really an incredible man of God. But I remember him in my youth group. And I remember him and, and also Pastor Brian, you know, from Echo Church. I remember these guys. And, and I had this season in my life where I, wherever I was going out and whenever I was doing things from the Lord, it would be a mission trip uh, to Asia 
I tore, I tore my ACL. Uh, we'd be building homes in Mexico, and a truck ran over my foot. I mean, just totally mangled uh, my whole foot, dislocated my heel, tore every ligament. I mean, it's just crazy. And, and all these different things started happening to me. And I remember your pastor, Scott, and, and Pastor Brian, and, and, uh, and a couple other young men that, that, that we were training and, and uh, discipling during that time. And they say, Peace, Sam, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. And I said, why? Because you get to suffer. You get, you get hurt when you go out. And, and you, you pay the price. And, you know, and, and at first I thought, you guys are crazy, man. You know, what's wrong with you, bunch of knucklehead high school kids? But I realized it was the heart. It was the heart that understood that this is not everything. This is, is just temporary. We have an eternity in heaven. It, does, it matters what we do here right now. But it's just temporary. Paul, you will use the illustration that, that, that our, our, our home is just a tent. You don't lay a foundation in a tent. A tent is temporary. Tents are meant to be picked up and taken to another place and to another place. That's the, the utility and the power of the tent. And we see this happening over here. You know, every one of us will fall asleep. But we'll all wake up with just that gentle voice that says, get up, wake up, wake up, son, wake up, daughter. Enter into the rest of your father. Jesus has power over death. Let the Lord give you perspective. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54 and 57. But when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on, puts on immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death has lost its sting. Death has lost its victory because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's interesting to note that juxtaposed between these two stories are really two daughters. One, Jairus' daughter, and the other one, God's daughter. Jesus is really making a commentary on a religious system that harms the sick and the vulnerable. Just as he's, he's telling one of the major proponents of this injustice, this synagogue official in charge of the temple and the services. And he, and he turns to Jairus, and, and this, is, this is why Mark puts these together. It's a beautiful portrait of what's going on. And just as concerned as Jairus is with his daughter, this is a commentary. Jesus is telling Jairus and all the people that God is also concerned about his daughters, all of his daughters. And Jairus, you're a leader. You should also be concerned as well. Jesus' power over demons, Jesus' power over disease, and Jesus' power over death. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what 2021 holds for you and for me. But if it's anything like 2020, 
Listen, it's going to be filled with demonic attacks. It's going to be filled with disease. COVID-19, who knows? COVID-20 might be around the corner. And even maybe death. And so as we close this out, what we need to do is we need to respond to these possible attacks. I, I should say the inevitable attacks. And we need to respond like these three people responded. What did each of them do? I read in the beginning, each of them came to Jesus and fell at his feet. That's what they did. The demoniac, Jesus, what? And he fell to his feet and asked for mercy. Jairus, because his daughter was sick, he heard about what Jesus and falls to his feet and entreats Jesus to come and to pray for his daughter. The woman who's been suffering for 12 long years, even though she could have been stoned to death if she was caught, if she had touched anybody, but risks and touches his prayer shawl. And then when she's found out, she throws herself at his mercy and falls at his feet. This is what we need, each of us, when we begin 2021, we need to fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that all these three find what they need at the feet of Jesus. Brothers and sisters at Rooftop Church, for year six, this is what you need to do. You got to get on your knees. This is a season for you to get on your knees, to seek God's face and grow. He's going to tell you to get up eventually. He's going to give you the vision, the strategy. He's going to tell you to get up and to go forward with his plan and with his mission. Cry out to God and find mercy and help in time of need. You will find what you need to overcome demons, disease, and death. And the only way you're going to find it is at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a, a word for you. This is a prophetic word I want to give to you guys on your sixth anniversary. It's continuing from 1 Corinthians 15. And let's read the last one, verse 58. And this is what I want to say to you. This is what I feel like the Lord is saying to you guys as a church. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters of Rooftop Church, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Those times on your knees, those serving the Lord that you did when no one else saw, the quiet times that you're having on your own, the prayer times when you're crying out to God, the acts of service and the work that you do, all the work of the Lord. He wants you to know it's not in vain. So, Rooftop Church, be steadfast, strong, be immovable, have, have intestinal fortitude, fight the good fight, always abounding, be, be a person uh, that, that's, 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 that's demonstrating the gospel uh, people to people physically all around you. He's the, the, Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And know, abound in, in the work of the Lord and know 
that your toil, and sometimes it'll feel like toil. We don't want to get on our knees, but we have to. We must. And it seems like toil, but the Lord says it is not in vain in the Lord. Amen? Amen. This year, God's going to use you guys to overcome demons, disease, and even death. That's my prayer for you as a church. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for Pastor Scott and Esther. Thank you for the dream that you put inside of them and, and a few others, God, to plant Rooftop Church six years ago. Lord, you've been so faithful to them, God. This is not a celebration of them, God. It's a celebration of your faithfulness. You've been so faithful to them. And so we just pray, God, for even more bounty. We pray for even more favor. We pray for even more fruitfulness, God, in the years to come. But this season of their life as they embark on 2021 is the season to fall on our knees. Fall on our knees before you. We cry out for mercy. Help us, God. And then you'll tell us to get up and do what we need to do. But for now, teach us to fall on our knees. Our needs will be met at the feet of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We love you, God. We bless you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Man, what a blessing. I hope the message blessed you and, 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 and does something in your spirit. But thank you, church, for allowing me to speak into your community again. Have an awesome, awesome celebration. I know it's going to be online, but still have an awesome celebration. God bless you guys. May the peace and the joy of the Lord go with you. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye.